Hey, what's up, guys? It's Will Bowman with The Art of the Interview. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Um, or maybe it's this morning, or maybe this afternoon. I don't know where you're listening in from. You could be anywhere in the world, and it could be any time in the world. But no matter what time or where you are, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the art of the interview. Today I am going to talk um, about a couple of tips and tricks that you can actually take from the discipline and art of interviewing and scurry off into regular everyday conversation that will make your conversations more enjoyable and more fruitful. You'll get farther, engage more, connect more, Um, Just generally be a better conversationalist if you use these techniques. And let me clarify that these are not techniques that I have invented. These are actually all techniques that I've stolen from various people in various places that I have learned them. But I have brought them into the science of interviewing and the art of conversation. um, Or the science of conversation and the art of interviewing. Whichever way you prefer to look at it. So I am going to talk a little bit about those um, so that you can take them into your life and use them to be a better talker generally. All right, so the first trick that I'm going to talk today about is setting intentions. Now, some people might think that this seems a little bit um, dry <laughs> or um, controlly, but... Um, I don't actually think it is, and really well, what setting intentions is, is at the beginning of a conversation, or I use this a lot with business meetings, um, just to get everybody on the same page and let everybody know what I'm expecting from the meeting, especially if I'm in sort of the leadership position on the meeting, if I'm leading the meeting, I'll just do a brief setting expectation, um, uh, an intention setting, um, moment. And I'll generally, before the meeting, sit down and just write out what my two or three intentions for the meetings are, or just one, um, depending on what they are. Um, Just little bullet points. And that way I am never confused and nobody else is ever confused about why are we here? Why are we spending our time from our otherwise busy day um, to be here to talk about this? And it's really helpful because one, it helps me to understand why I'm there and why I'm calling the meeting, and what the intentions are. And two, it really helps other people to feel grounded as well, especially in business meetings. And sometimes, um, you know, I'll, I'll use this in an interview too. I'll actually sit down and say, this is what I'm intending for this interview. This is what I'm hoping to get out of it. And then the person's like, oh, yeah, you know, and the means how you get there can be a little bit more fluid, but sometimes it's just nice to be able to, to do that. And sometimes it's nice to, you know, do that in just a casual conversation. Like, hey, you know, I'm just sitting down and this is really what I was hoping to get out of this conversation. I was hoping to get to know you and learn about your story and just sort of, you know, generally just, you know, get to know who you are. Um, And then they kind of know, oh, yeah, that's what this person's coming to. Or, you know, it could be something more specific. Like, I'm really just wanting to learn more about your experience. I actually just had this conversation with someone recently. Um, learn more about your experience related to, um, say, families, um, which is an organization that I'm doing some marketing for right now. 
So, you know, it just frames the conversation and helps people to feel a little bit more comfortable. Like, okay, somebody knows what's going on here. You know, we're not just kind of like floating off in the vast abyss of possible conversation topics. Like this person kind of knows what they want to talk about. And, you know, you don't have to stick with that necessarily with everything, but it just gives everybody a sort of a general sort of idea of, um, you know, hey, this is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, or that what I'm hoping to get out of this. Um, and you can be open to changing that too. You know, one of my old, my old youth leader, we used to go on mission trips, um, and mission trips are essentially controlled chaos, um, for leadership. And what he always used to say is have a plan, but be Gumby. Um, and I think that's a really powerful sort of, uh, truism for a lot of things in life is, you know, go in with a plan, go in with like an expectation of this is what I'm hoping to get out of this, but be flexible in your means of getting there. And, you know, also, you know, sometimes be a little flexible with, you know, what you're trying to get. Sometimes you go in with one expectation and, you know, maybe there's something else that is better to get out of it, but it is generally better to have a plan, um, just so that people feel more comfortable. And that speaks for interviews, meetings, and sometimes conversations as well. I'll even do this with people who I'm close to, you know, my wife, my friends, you know, hey, this is what we're talking about, especially if it's a more formal meeting um, with those, even with those types of people. All right, so that's tip number one that you can take into daily conversations. Tip number two is something that I, um, well, a lot of people, not just me, something I call mirroring and reflecting. And I actually took this from a group uh, clients of mine that I serve. Um, her name is Claire Zamet, and she owns a company called Feminine Power. And what Feminine Power is, that it's it's a an organization that empowers women to live their destiny. Um, it's kind of the phrase that they use um, in the world in the biggest way possible. And one of the points that she makes is that women, especially today, and this is actually true. I think it's true. Um, not just for women, but also for men as well. Women do not have people to mirror and reflect their experience back to them. And in the mirroring and reflecting back of an experience to women, they are empowered to move past that experience or to use that experience or to compose that experience or whatever they need to do with that experience. But it's in that reflection and that mirroring that they're given power over the experience. And I think that's a, there, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, we as human beings are biologically and spiritually social creatures. We were not meant to do this whole life thing alone. Um, and when we are mirrored and reflected in the things that we think, say, believe, do, um, for better or for worse, we actually, we find solidity and grounding in those things. And we're able to, um, and sometimes it, it not even like we, we we get further into them. Sometimes we're able to move past them, right? So someone has a traumatic experience, right? And they go and they talk to somebody. And that person mirrors and reflects back to them that experience. Oh, that must have been difficult. Oh, what you were feeling is must have been this. And in that mirroring and that reflecting, and, and that's part of actually holding the container, um, they are able to move past that traumatic experience and begin to move into the new world where that traumatic experience is not happening to them anymore. So how does this look practically, um, both in an interview and also in a casual conversation? So a lot of times um, it can be posturing, how you posture yourself physically. So if someone is sitting with their legs crossed, 
Um, and actually, this is something I just do naturally in an interview setting a lot of times. So when you're sitting with their legs crossed, um, generally I'll kind of just cross my legs and put my hands similar, not exactly, but like, and it's not like weird as in like they move their leg and they, you know, cross their leg and then I do it and then they, you know, they sit back and I immediately take the same pose. That'd be a little weird, but just sort of in, instinctively a lot of times I will kind of take a similar pose to the way that the person who I'm interviewing is sitting formal, casual, whatever. And that's a form of reflecting. Um, this could also be verbal. So someone tells me, you know, like, oh, that, you know, I, I just just so frustrated and tired that this person did this to me, you know, and I say, man, that, you know, kind of sounds like you were really wrestling with your frustrations and your anger in that moment. And then, yeah, they, I was. And then they just go on and they tell. And that's actually a really good way of it's also a really good way of getting people to talk more about a subject that you're interested in is just sort of repeat back to them what they were saying. And a lot of times they'll just go off and tell you even more about the subject. So if you ever want someone to tell you more about something, just repeat back what they already said and they'll keep talking. <laughs> it's a great way to sort of fill in some space and get more um, of substance on any particular subject. So mirroring and reflecting. And that, again, also works really well in casual conversations. I use this a lot with my wife. I use it with friends when I sit down for coffee. You know, they say, oh, this, 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 and that. And I say, oh, that, you must have been, that sounds like a, this sort of experience. Or, oh, that really sounds like you were feeling this or that, you know. And again, that, that just postures you as sort of a sounding board for them that they can say things and that you're actually hearing it and reflecting it back to them and sometimes interpreting it for them, right? So sometimes someone might say, I'm just feeling really anxious and I'm just, I'm having a hard time getting out of bed. Um, you know, I just don't know what's going on. You say, well, it kind of sounds like you're feeling very hopeless and maybe a little bit overwhelmed. And you're like, you know, yeah, I am feeling hopeless and overwhelmed. So sometimes you're giving words, um, to what they're experiencing, and that allows them to sort of get a tangible grasp on that experience and maybe move past it. That's actually a, another um, technique I, I kind of stole from Feminine Power, and that's the technique of naming. It's mirroring, naming, and reflecting. So the third thing um, that I do a lot of times is um, that I'm going to, the third technique that can work really well in interviewing and also in casual conversation is what I, what I like to call returning. And this is kind of, it's not my own thing, there's my own name for it. Um, a lot of times both in day-to-day -day life and also in conversations and interviews, I find my mind sometimes tends to wander from the thing that I'm doing. And I don't think that I'm alone in this. <laughs> I think that there are others out there who have similar experiences where they're in the moment doing one thing. Um, you know, maybe they're having coffee with their wife. Maybe they're writing a book. Maybe they're riding the bus. I don't know. Whatever it is that you're doing. And you just find your mind sort of wandering. And sometimes it's not nice wandering. Sometimes it's not daydreaming or imagining. It's anxiety or um, worry or whatever, you know. So, and that really takes you out of the moment that you're in for the better or for the worse, right? And a lot of times when I'm in an interview setting, I'm wanting to be present with that person because in being present with that person, I'm able to sort of sense more. But, you know, even still, sometimes I find my mind starts to wander a little bit. You know, I'm there physically, but the person is talking and my brain is thinking about what I'm going to cook that night. And it happens to the best of us, you know, we get better as we get better at interviewing. But one technique I use to sort of... Um, again, return myself to the present moment, um, I have I have a practice that I do in my life called centering prayer. 
and it's a contemplative sort of prayer uh, in the Christian tradition wherein you choose a word for God, a name for God, and you go into a meditative sort of posture state, and when you find your mind going here and there and thinking about this project or that project or this task or that task or this thing this person said or whatever, in those moments you notice that you're doing it and then you say your word and in that you're sort of in like in the Christian tradition you're invoking God into that thing and through that invocation you're able to actually return back to um, sort of the present moment where you're in in your body in your brain and it's not like trying to escape it you're just kind of sort of trying to redeem the thought um, and bring yourself into the moment of acknowledging that's there so and a lot of times and one of the goals of centering prayer is for that not just to stay in your practice but it is also to come into your other areas of your life so and that has been the case for me so for example if i'm sitting and having a conversation with my wife over coffee and my wife is telling me about one of her new webtoons that she's reading and i find my brain wandering to one of many work projects that i have going on I'll notice that. I'll like, oh, hey, I'm not the most present right now. And I'll say my word for God. And that will bring me back into the present moment where I'm sitting there and having conversation and about, you know, webtoons with my wife. Um, or if I'm in an interview and the person is talking and I notice, hey, I am thinking about that thing I need to do a little later on. Um, again, I will say my word for God. Now, this is not a purely religious exercise. Um, I am pretty significantly religious myself, so the form that this particular practice has taken on has been religious. However, there are um, practices that are sort of, you know, moment-taking, bringing you back into the present moment that aren't necessarily attached to a particular, a particular religion or even the Christian religion or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I would encourage you to find some sort of practice that allows you to acknowledge when you're, um, when you're, you're not in the present moment in your conversations and interviews and no shame, by the way, like th that's what our brains are supposed to do. Our brains are supposed to think about stuff like that. Right. And it's not a bad thing. It's just in those particular moments you want to be present. So find your own practice for whatever that is and institute it. Um, in your interviews and in your conversations and return yourself to the present moment. Um, return yourself because in that present moment, that's where you're going to be able to really rock the interview and really rock the conversation um, with whoever you're having. Um, there's nothing worse than feeling like someone is totally not present with you in a conversation. There's nothing that turns you off, nothing that turns me off more than if I'm sitting there having a conversation with someone and they're just perpetually not present with me. They're on their phone. They're, you know, obviously not thinking or caring about, like, me being there or what I'm saying or whatever. You know, that's a very big turnoff and um, a huge safety break in the container. So, all right. Those are my three tips for today for interviewing tricks that can be translated into daily conversations. All right, and um, thanks, guys, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on The Art of the Interview. Check you later.